to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. You're listening to The Friday Fix. Every Friday, I share a quick mental strength exercise that will help fix the thoughts, emotions, and actions that drain you of the mental strength you need to be your best. Today, I'm talking about how to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Before I get into how to stop doing it, though, I just want to take a minute to define the difference between being sad and feeling sorry for yourself. Sadness is normal. It's a healthy emotion. It can help you honor something that you've lost. So you should feel sad when your friend moves away, or you should feel sad if you can't see your family. And there'll be plenty of times when maybe you feel sad and don't even necessarily know why. That's okay too. Being sad can help you appreciate the times when you aren't sad. Happiness feels way better when you aren't sad anymore. It might even inspire you to take positive action. Self-pity is different though. It's when you overestimate how bad your problems are and underestimate your ability to cope with those problems. You might think things like, "Ugh, no one understands me. My life is worse than everyone else's, and there's nothing I can do to make this better. Thinking like that just keeps you stuck in a place of pain. It doesn't actually help you work through anything. Here are five reasons why feeling sorry for yourself is harmful. Number one, it leads to more uncomfortable emotions. When you allow self-pity to take hold, it causes you more distress. You'll get angrier, lonelier, and more resentful. Number two, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Self-pity is going to affect your performance. If you're convinced that you're going to fail, you aren't going to do a very good job. You'll actually increase the likelihood that you're going to fail. Number three, it prevents you from dealing with other emotions. Self-pity gets in the way of healing. Rather than actually deal with your sadness, your grief, or your emotional pain, you'll spend your time wishing things were different. Number four, it causes you to overlook the good in your life. If five good things happen and just one bad thing happens, self-pity will cause you to focus on the negative. You'll just keep thinking about that one bad thing and miss out on the positive aspects of your life. And number five, it interferes with relationships. A victim mentality isn't exactly an attractive quality. If you're always complaining about your problems and trying to convince people that your life is unfair, you'll repel most healthy people and damage your existing relationships. Of course, it's hard not to fall in that self-pity trap sometimes. We all do it. When you're going through tough times, and especially when you've had multiple bad things happen all at once, you might be tempted to just stay on the couch and host a pity party. It's important to recognize when you're headed down that path of self-pity so that you can pull yourself out of it. If you've read my books or you've listened to the show for a while, you probably know my story. When I was 26, my husband Lincoln died. It just happened to be on the three-year anniversary of the day that my mom died. He passed away in February and his birthday was in June. His birthday week happened to also be my birthday week as well as our anniversary. It's usually a really fun week. So after he passed away, I found myself dreading his birthday. I didn't want to go to work because I knew I couldn't be a 
really helpful therapist on that day. But I also didn't want to sit at home and stare at the walls. I knew that I'd just feel sorry for myself. So I talked to Lincoln's mom and asked her what she was going to do that day. And she said, "Uh, what do you think about skydiving? It's nothing I'd ever thought of before, but it sounded like a good idea at the time. It certainly sounded like a better idea than sitting at home and staring at the walls. So that's what we decided to do. I have to add that Lincoln's grandmother, she was 86 at the time. She really wanted to go skydiving alongside us, but she'd had cataract surgery a few weeks before, so her doctor wouldn't clear her to do it. So she went and just cheered the two of us on. And we turned what could have been a really bad day into a really fun day. And we decided to make it an annual adventure. Every year on his birthday, we do something like swim with sharks or take flying trapeze lessons. We rode mules into the Grand Canyon one year, and we have ridden some of the world's biggest roller coasters. We went hang gliding. But it's one of the best decisions that I ever made to turn that day into a day where we do something fun rather than just sit at home and feel sorry for ourselves. And now a lot of family and friends join us, and it's become a day that we look forward to rather than a day that I dread. And once I shared that story in my book, I've had so many readers who've reached out to me to say that they've done something similar in their own lives. Like One reader who went through a difficult divorce said that she now uses her wedding anniversary as a chance to go to the spa by herself. And I heard from lots of people this year who found creative ways to celebrate holidays, even though they were social distancing. So rather than sit at home and feel sorry for themselves because they were alone on their birthdays, or not being able to celebrate another holiday with their families, they created a plan B, like decided to chat with them on video or to watch special movies, even if they were by themselves. So that's one way you can avoid self-pity when you have a really tough day ahead of you. Plan for it. Once you create a plan of how you're going to spend the day, you'll be less likely to dread it and less likely to feel sorry for yourself on the actual day. Another thing you can do to ward off self-pity is practice gratitude. You can't be filled with gratitude and self-pity at the same time because gratitude is about thinking I have more than I deserve and self-pity is about thinking I deserve better than this. So even when things are bad, take a deep breath and think about three things you're grateful for. It could be as simple as, okay, I have clean water to drink and a bed to sleep in tonight. There are lots of ways that you can incorporate gratitude into your daily life. Write in a gratitude journal before you go to bed. Or think about what you're grateful for before you get out of bed in the morning. Or say what you're grateful for when you're eating dinner with your family. Creating a gratitude ritual can ward off self-pity before it starts. And it can help you dig yourself out of it when you're already in the middle of a pity party. A third thing you can do is take positive action even when you don't feel like it. There's always something that you can do to make your situation better or at least make yourself feel better so you can dig yourself out of self-pity. Go for a walk, read a book, or call a friend and talk about something other than your problems are just a few examples of things that you might do. You might also do something nice for someone else. Doing an act of kindness for someone, whether that's helping your neighbor with something or volunteering somewhere, can remind you that you still have plenty of gifts to give the world, even when you don't feel that great. And finally... When you find yourself thinking thoughts that fuel self-pity, change those thoughts. Find a way to reframe them. If you're thinking about how awful your problems are or how things are never going to get better, take a minute and reframe your thoughts so you can develop a more realistic outlook. So if you're thinking that your life is awful, remind yourself of one good thing about life. 
Or if you're thinking that you're never going to be able to dig yourself out of a mess that you're in, remind yourself of at least one or two reasons why you might succeed. If you want more ideas for how to change the way you think, go back and listen to episode number 28, How to Develop a Healthier Inner Dialogue. It'll teach you how to create healthier conversations with yourself in a really simple, fun way, which can work really well when you're stuck in a self-pity trap. So those are four things you can do to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Plan something positive on a day that you might otherwise dread. Practice gratitude. Take positive action. And reframe those thoughts that fuel self-pity. And if you're feeling stuck in a cycle of self-pity, seek professional help. Feeling sorry for yourself can sometimes be linked to other problems like depression. Talking to a therapist can help you break free when your brain is trying to convince you that you're hopeless and you're helpless. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.